Billy. Hi, Maggie. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing quite well. Welcome back, listeners. Um, obviously, I'm Billy. I'm Maggie. And this is... Into the Meepleverse. I missed it. I missed the jump. That's right. I missed it. Okay, so you said you did something today that you wanted to wait till we were recording to tell me about. Yeah, so I played some games today. Ooh. Um, and it's one of the ones I want to talk about. Uh, what'd you do today? Okay, so you're not telling me. I, well, I played Paladins of the West Kingdom today, which I've, it was only my second play of it, and I forgot how wonderful it was. I yeah. loved it so much. It's so good, eh? It's so great, but it's definitely... It's a lot more than any other Shem Phillips I've ever played. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But it's wonderful. Uh, Viscounts should be showing up pretty soon, I think. Did you? Okay. I don't know if I should say this, but I got a message from the Kickstarter. There's like a bunch of like printing errors with it. Oh, I I, I know the message you're talking about. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. Oh, well. Uh, None of them seem to really be impactful because the one was like a miscount of how many coins are in the game. It's like, I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one was like... The printing, like, turned it a little darker, which I don't really care about. And then I think another one just says, like, oh, you should have 30 of these cards, but you actually are only supposed to have 20. Yeah. Anyway, not important, but I'm excited for that game. We, we talked about first impressions of that a while back. Mm-hmm. Many moons ago. Mm-hmm. What's your second impression? I love it. I was so bad at it, though. Because <laughs> you get, so you get these, like, I can't remember what they're called now. The, like, objectives that you flip up every time. Yeah, and like then... the King's Order yes, or something. Yes, exactly. That is exactly what it's called. And for some reason, I just didn't go for them, and I decided to go in a different direction. <laughs> Let's and... go for the other things. Yeah, I was like, I'm more excited about, because I remember the last time I played, there's, like, the main board, which is actually just, like, these two really long pieces that doesn't really seem like the main board, has these spaces that you can put things on to, like, get stuff back. Yeah. And I didn't explore that all the first time I played, so I was like, well, I'm going to, like, try that out. But none of that was any part of the King's Orders. <laughs> I should have obviously just been going for what the King's Orders were. The person I was playing with did and just destroyed me. But it was still great. I want to play again already. Yeah, but I agree that, especially in a second play of a game, it's really fun to go in a new direction and try the stuff that you didn't. Yes. So I, I totally understand that. Mm. But yeah, so have, wait, have you played it? You played it on stream once. Yes, I've played it three or four times, I think. Okay, okay. Um, I'm actually getting a lot better at playing the games that I buy more than once. Which <laughs> That's good. I, I think it, it comes with, like, as you grow up and as you mature, you develop a certain affinity for playing a game over and over again, as yes. opposed to just like, give me new stuff. Mm-hmm. I say, implying I'm mature. I was going to say, also, you're definitely a give me new stuff type of purchaser. I know, I know. But I'm trying to I'm trying to be a little bit of both. I see, I see. I've also been playing so much Bloomhaven. Oh, like, yeah? I would say about three sessions a week. That is so much. I'm so jealous. It's been so wonderful. Yeah, that sounds lovely. Last night, shout out to Rachel, who I called out last time for not listening to the podcast that then told me she does listen to the podcast. Wrecked. But she is part of our Gloomhaven group, and she made us a bunch of Indian food, which you've had her Indian food before, Billy. It's wonderful. And it was so wonderful. But we were all feeling, like, very full for the for the game. But it was <laughs> of great. Of course, of course. Yeah. That sounds delightful. Talking about games that we've talked about before, I played, for the first time in two years, I played New Angeles. Oh, okay. Uh, on your birthday. On my birthday, yeah. It was my birthday uh, a couple weeks ago. It was literally last week, but by the time you're listening to this, it's Mm. two weeks. What is time? Time's a concept. And wow. Wow, that game is so good. I've only played it one time with you, like, several years ago. Is that one that you want to talk about? Uh, It's not one that I want to, like, fully talk about. It's just, it's been so long since I've played it, and when we talked about it in episode eight, it had been so long since I played it. And playing it again, it's it was five hours long. It was a five-hour play. And it was just such a good experience beginning to end. I lost on the last turn. And I've never felt so satisfied with the game that I lost <laughs> on the last turn. It's just so good. If, you're, if you like Battlestar Galactica and you like social games that have more of an underlying base to them, definitely check out New Angeles. And it's in the same world as, like... What is it, like Coup and like Netrunner? Yeah, Netrunner, not Coup. Oh, okay. Yeah, it is, and it's 
it's just really cool because if you're familiar with Netrunner, all of the corporations that you play in Netrunner are the corporations you play in New Angeles. Oh, okay. And it really informs, like, the characters and everything. It, it's a really, really just wonderful experience. Yeah, I, I loved it when I played it, but I haven't played it in a while. We were talking about how since FFG owns the game system, they should just re-theme it as Game of Thrones. Oh my god, yes. Because it would totally work. The theme would work so well. You are these corrupt corporations who are running a city, trying to make mm-hmm. sure that the city doesn't fall apart, but does it as best it can to, like, benefit you. Yeah. So, like, boom, you play as the corporations, you play as the families in Westeros. Yeah. Like, it'd be so good. And is it, like, your win condition is just, like, you win as long as you have more points than this other person? Yeah. You, you have, like, a direct rival and you want to beat yeah. them. That also seems very Game of Thrones-y. Yeah, but you might not be their direct rival. Right. So, like, I might want to beat Maggie, but Maggie might want to beat Rachel, and Rachel might want to beat Matt. Right. Okay. Right? <laughs> Matt and Rachel, shout outs again. Yeah. <laughs> how many games do you want to talk about today? I don't know yet. Okay. I'm just, it depends how much I talk about the first one. Oh, boy. Yeah. What, what about you? I have, like, one and a half. Okay. Well, I can match that. I can do one and a half. You, you can do one and a half? I can do one and a half. Okay, I love it. I Would you like to take us away? I'll take it away with my half. I want to talk about the new Tapestry expansion. Okay. Have you played it? I have played it. Ooh. Because the people that I play Gloomhaven with, we were getting together a lot to play Gloomhaven, and we were like, well, we also like other games. So there was one day where we played Tapestry, then Gloomhaven, then the other game that I also want to talk about. So. Cool. Sounds like a lovely night. It was It was or a day. lovely night. It was a day and a night. Whoa. <laughs> but yeah, so the Tapestry is a, I guess, civilization game. By Jamie Stagmeyer, which is really, it's a really great game. I've actually only played it, like, I think you might have still have played it more than me. I played your copy three times in a week, and then was like, I get it, I'm, I'm good. Yeah, so the, honestly, the, exp- I remember in our expansion episode, we kind of said, like, there's three, you said there's three different types of expansions. One that just kind of gives you more of that thing. Yeah. One that changes the game, and I can't remember what you said the third one was. Or maybe it was just those two. I don't remember. It's been a while. <laughs> well, those are definitely two types of expansions. You're right. You're and my right. opinions change very quickly, so. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so this is definitely one that is just, like, more of the game. So it does a few things. First of all, it includes a little sheet that lets you modify the other civilizations. So, like, I think the game originally came with, like, 16 different civilizations. But they all, like, you start with the same amount of points. You start with the same amount of resources. But now they've kind of gone back and balanced them and said, like, okay, if you get the Futurists, then you have to start with, like, less less resources than everyone else. Yeah. So it comes with, like, a little sheet that kind of balances out all the civilizations, which you could find online, but now it's just there for you. I think that's good. I think that's really good. Yeah. And then uh, also a lot of new civilizations. Good. So it is just kind of, like, more of the game. And then also individual achievements. So at the beginning of the game... You'll pass around individual achievements. It's like, there's only five, so you're always going to be playing with the same five if you're playing at the max player count. And they'll all be something like, like, have six exploration tiles was one. Or, like, have, like, certain amount of resources or whatever. I can't remember what any of the other ones was. The six tiles was mine. And as soon as you have that, you'll get another landmark specific to that individual achievement that you can add to your, like, side grid. So that's just, that's just like another way to get buildings, I guess, because maybe they were realizing that in a full player game, it's really hard to get those landmarks because there's just not that many of them. Absolutely. There's just what, like? There's three on each track. And then there's like several that you get from the like technology. Okay. So there's like 12 ones that, that you just get from advancing. Yes. And a five player game, you you will get like in theory less than three of yeah, them. Exactly. And then, yeah, you'll have, like, the little buildings from your board that you can place on the side. So, yeah, it's just, like, more buildings that you get from that. But, yeah, the expansion was good. It didn't add, like, it wasn't like, this is totally changing the game. I have to learn a whole new game. But it was just adding, like, some nice new stuff. Oh, yeah, and it adds, like, a whole bunch of new tapestry cards as well. Cool. I think that's good as well. Because I think more tapestry cards, like, tapestry cards are, they're not the essence of the game. Mm -hmm. But they feel like very close to the essence yeah. of the game. They're, I mean, yeah. they're a very important aspect. The, the card named after the, or the title, either the title of the game is named after the card or the cards are whatever, not important, but they also go, <laughs> they also go in your tapestry. But I don't know if you remember, but there was like, 
there were trap cards so that when you uh, conquer, if someone someone could have a tapestry card to be like, this is a trap, you don't actually get to conquer this. Yes. There were are new cards now that can like counter a trap. Oh boy. I didn't encounter any of them, but those are new cards that exist. And also, I like the idea of more tapestry cards now because you don't go through that much of the deck in a game. So there's still just so many cards that I haven't even seen yet. And we've played the game. I don't know. I've played the game, I think, like three times. So, which is not that many times. (laughs) But like, I I just feel like you're going to play it. You'd have to play it a lot, a lot, a lot before you like could know every single card in that deck. Yeah, I think that's good. I, I... I would like to play Tapestry again. Mm-hmm. Um, I really played it three times real fast, and then I was like, cool, I get it. I don't really need to do that again. But now that I know what it is, yeah. I think playing it again would be much more enjoyable. Also, the sorry, something else the expansion has is there was a two-player variant, which I actually never saw before until I got the expansion and realized there was a two-player variant, because I had heard it wasn't great at two, but the expansion adds a bunch of stuff to make the two-player variant different, and cool. so... I guess, easier to play with two people. One downside of the expansion is it does not fit in the original box. No! Which is, I think, just a Stonemaier thing. Because, like, Wingspan's expansion, the Wingspansion, does not fit in its box. Also, there's a new expansion coming out, which I'm excited for as well. Do you think that will at least fit in the other expansion box? I don't think so. The other expansion box is pretty full. Oh, no. You're going to need three... We're going to need big box Wingspan. It's... We'll get there. We got it. I think I think we will get there. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, so that's what I wanted to say about the Tapestry expansion. That was my point five game that I want to talk about. Cool. I will I will talk about my point five game to follow that up. Okay. It is a game that is hitting Kickstarter in November. Ooh, okay. Yeah. It, I have played it. Um I did teach it at uh Gen Con online this year. Mm. So like full disclosure, I have worked with the company. But I think the game is very lovely. And this game is Creature Comforts by Roberta Taylor, published by Kids Table Board Gaming. It's hidden Kickstarter on November 17th with lovely art by Shauna J.C. Tenney. And it is a lovely little worker placement game. So Maggie, in terms of worker placement games, oftentimes worker placement games, you're obviously familiar with this, but oftentimes there's blocking. Like you want a spot, but if I go there, you can't have that spot. Mm -hmm. And this game by KTBG is designed to specifically reduce any negative player interaction. So there is a 0% chance that someone else can make a move that will mess with you. Okay. Do you like that or do you not like that? I I think it's... I I like that sometimes in games and sometimes I want to mess with people. But as a, like, design stance, I think it's very strong. Because, like, you know exactly what you're getting into. Right. It's a worker placement game where you're not going to be blocked. And you can kind of build your engine while the other players build their engine. Obviously, there's relatively limited player interaction in this game. But what it does have that's just so wonderful is it has a really solid mechanism behind its worker placement. So how it works, Maggie, each round, you are going to be placing your workers out into the field on these various worker placement spots. At the very top of the board, there's spots that change every single round. So you know it's only going to be there for that round. So I might place some workers up there. And everyone can do this simultaneously because there's no negative player interaction, right? Nobody's blocking anyone. So we're all just placing our workers out, deciding what to do. There's that up top. There's, and those will usually generate resources. There's card generation at the bottom where you can go there and gather cards. Now, if I go there and gather a card that you wanted, it might not be there by the time you get there. So there is like the small semblance of interaction there, but it only really matters in one or two spots. But there's no, like, you can't do this action. Then there's also areas that allow you to trade resources. So, and this, again, changes every single round. So this round, you might be able to trade trade pennies in for fruit. Okay. Or fruits in for pennies. But next round, you might be able to trade to get some stories. And one thing... What are the resources The resources are so good. (laughs) So the resources are uh, fruit, which are apples. So I just call them apples. There's fruit... Uh, grain, pennies? stone, wood, pennies, and stories. Oh my god. And then maybe one or two others. Uh, yes, there's like cotton as well, maybe. Or socks. No, it's cotton. It's yarn. It's yarn. It's definitely <laughs> yarn. It's cuter than cotton, yes, right? Yes, that is cuter. Um, so you're gathering resources to build these different comforts that are going to be cards that you have in hand. 
But the thing that's really interesting is I just told you that you place all those workers out, right? After that, you're going to roll the four common dice. Because each spot has a dice activation requirement. But you're placing your workers out before you see the common dice. Oh, so your so, spot just might not get activated. Yeah, so my spot over here, it's like, well, you need a six for that spot. You'll have two of your own dice that you can use. But you need to decide, well, I didn't roll a six. What do I, What are the odds that a six is going to be rolled in the central dice? Right. So you're probably not going to take a ton of risks with your placement. But after everyone locks in their placement, we roll those dice. The first player goes activates all of their spots that they'd like to, then passes the dice to the next player. And they get all the dice regardless. So it's not like I get first dibs of the dice, I take one. I get right. to use all four, and then I pass you do all we, four. Do you roll at the beginning of your turn, or like you roll and everyone uses those set of dice? You roll and everyone uses those set of dice. Okay. There is one way in the game, or at least in the copy that we demoed at Gen Con, there is one way in the game to modify those dice, which would be a permanent modification. Right. But again, it's very limited because the emphasis of this game is on indirect conflict. Right. Like, you are trying to beat everyone else, but you don't get to, like, mess up other people's plans and right. whatnot. Okay. That system, Maggie, is so cool. You roll your two dice, then you place your workers. You know what your two dice are. Mm. And then we roll those four dice, and you see if you placed in a way that works out for you or not. It works I love that. really, really well. And there are some spaces, there's like the, the marketplace space can be activated by any number, but different numbers do different things. Okay. And each round there's a special ability for everyone. If you roll the same die, like same number twice, you activate it twice? No. So you get to choose how many, uh, you get to choose when you're activating the place, which dice you use. So if I activate this place that has a four or a three requirement, right. I can't use both to do the thing twice. Okay. The game is really, really quite streamlined. It plays relatively quickly. It didn't in Gen Con because we were doing it online, teaching people, and oftentimes it was people's first play of TTS. But I don't expect the game would ever be longer than like 75 minutes mm. from my experience, which might, be, which might be wrong. It's still based on a limited set of data and maybe not even the final rules. Mm. But it is so cute. And I love even the name is good. Yeah, the art is lovely. The the comforts that you're building are so wonderful because like you might build socks and to build socks, you're going to need yarn, obviously, and you're going to need other stuff. But then you might build a bookcase. So you're obviously going to need stories to fill that bookcase with. You can also build like small toys. And for the toy, you're going to need a little bit of wood. You're going to need like a little bit of yarn for like their clothes. And then you're going to need a story. Because no toy is complete without a story. <laughs> like, it's just so That's cute, That's so cute. It's so wonderful. I'm really looking forward to seeing what their Kickstarter Are brings. Are you going to Kickstart it? Uh, quite possibly. Yeah. Like, I've Kickstarted a lot in the past little bit, so I'm yeah. I'm never certain. Like, <laughs> I yeah, I spent a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe not. But I'm definitely going to follow the campaign very eagerly. Mm-hmm. It's also, like, I know I kind of buried the lead, but... It's based, everyone, every character in it, every animal in it, can be found in Algonquin Park, because it's oh. a Canadian team, and the team's all women, so... Oh my god, I love that! Yeah! Why would you, I, I like that you waited until the end to say that. I'm sold on the game, and I'm sold on the people that made it, and where it was made, too. Amazing. Yeah, it's, it's really lovely. I think it's going to be quite a nice game, and I think it will definitely appeal to the people who like doing things with other people but kind of having their own mm. like four player solitary experience yeah i love it good good 0.5 game yeah well it's 0.5 because it's not even out yet yeah. right yeah that's true okay so then you have one other game you want to talk about i do sure <laughs> why do you say sure like that because i could talk about so many things maggie i see i see okay i'll go first because my i don't think my game will take that long okay this game I think I'm just going to start calling any game that's, like, not new a throwback pod day. This one only came out in 2018, but it just still feels, it feels like a throwback pod day. Yeah, well, it's pre-COVID. Everything yeah. pre-COVID is but throwback. And I can't remember, this is another one I should have checked the spreadsheet, because I'm, like, almost positive we haven't talked about it, but it's Decrypto. Have uh, we talked I about don't it? think we've talked about Decrypto. I don't think so either. It is designed by Thomas Dagenet L'Esperance. I don't know if that was correct pronunciation, but I tried 
And it is a party game. It's a team game. I would say it's kind of similar to code names because you're yeah. going to be giving a code to your team and they have to guess what you're trying to tell them pretty much. I like this game. This game, I've been playing it a lot recently because it's a good like end of the night, like wind down game. Yeah. It's not like the game I want to play all night, but it's still really, really fun. And I come back to it all the time and I always have a really great time with it. But yeah, so you're going to split into two teams and... Your team will get to see four words, and the words will be numbered one to four. They could be whatever, like blanket, mask, face, and it's like bananas. And (laughs) everyone on your team will get to see your words. The other team has their own four words, and you're going to either win by intercepting the other team's clues twice, or if your team messes up their clues twice as well. So, And when you give a clue, you're going to take a card from the stack, and the stack will have three numbers, and it'll be three numbers from one to four in a random order. So it could be like one, two, four, or like three, two, four, whatever. You understand what I mean? And then when you're, when you have that, you have to give a one word clue for each of the words on your screen. And then your team has to guess which ones, which words you mean. And the way that you can intercept is over time, the other team will get to figure out that, okay, so for bananas, you said like peel and you said like split. So, well, they obviously wouldn't know it's bananas. But they can start putting together what they think your words are based on your clues. And then eventually they're going to be able to guess what, where your clues are. Does that make sense? I know yes. you've, you've played it before. so I haven't. You haven't played it? No. That's shocking to me. It's shocking to me, Maggie. Oh my gosh, it's so good. I want to play it. It's just, I just haven't. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really great. So you're just going to be going back and forth. It's a good mix of you want your clues to be obscure so that the other team can't figure them out. But then if you get too obscure, your team's not going to be able to figure it out either. Like I've been playing this game a lot recently and I my team keeps winning, even though the other team can most often figure out our clues. But they're just getting too obscure with their clues. Okay. That they keep not actually getting their own guesses. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a fine line. You, yeah. can't, you can't be too obscure, but you can't be too simple. Yes. I My clues are always too simple. Like, there was... Our word was mask, and I said Jim Carrey. Okay, that's, that's the other thing. It's like, it doesn't have to be a one-word clue. Apparently, you can do, like, an action or something like that. Or you can say, like, a phrase. Like, it's more of, like, Dixit-style clues. You can do than, a like, phrase? Yeah. Oh, my God. Dixit-style? Can you act things out? Can you I sing a song? So, I'm honestly a little bit confused about that because, like, if, if the other team says, can you spell that? Like, what if you act out, like, a scene, and then the other team's like, can you spell that? Well, no. <laughs> no, I can't. <laughs> But yeah, so it's. I'm not saying it should be played like that, Maggie. I'm just saying that I probably would try. The acting thing? (laughs) Yeah, why not? No, yeah, so we played it last night and someone did armpit farts as, like, they didn't say the word they did. Yes. Uh, And how how did they spell that? Well, that was before we realized that you could ask to spell. Oh, no. (laughs) Tragic. Yeah, so the game's very fun. It's got, like, I would say a really similar feel to Codenames, but it definitely takes longer because it's like. I don't, I, it, it takes longer than Codenames, I would say. But it's very, very fun, and you should definitely play it. I think it looks like... Because I like Codenames, mm. but there, there's like a lot of Codenames hype that I'm not super behind. Like, mm. Codenames is good, but Codenames isn't that good. You know what I mean? I can't even look at you right now. I know I'm, you I'm, just... I'm over... Like, no, I wasn't... I almost said I'm over Codenames, but there's like... I think in 2018, I played Codenames like 80 times. Yeah, yeah, you did. And that was just code names. You also played duet and pictures. Oh, yes, that's true. So you broke 100 plays of a code names. Mm-hmm. Yes. Code names is very near and dear to my heart, but. Yeah, it's just fine. Mm. I think I would like to crypto a lot more. Yeah. I like, I'd like team games, like Wavelength and Decrypto seem like similar games to code names, but with a twist. And I think I just like that genre a lot. Yeah, and I think I like twists a lot. Yes. <laughs> so. But yeah, so that is Decrypto, a fun party game. Yeah, I really need to play it. Mm-hmm. All right, what do you got for us? My last one's a chonky game. Ooh. It is Barrage. Oh, is that the game you just got? Yeah, it is Barrage, and Barrage is by Tommaso Battista and Simone Luciani. Okay. And I was going to talk about my first impressions of Barrage after one play, I can no longer do that because I played it twice more today. Oh my god. Yeah, we just played it and then we just ran it back. I love that. So, talking about the design team for a second, Simone Luciani uh, has titles under his belt like Zolkin, Grand Austria Hotel, 
voyages of Marco Polo, Lorenzo, and Newton, many of those being co-designs. A very exciting. One day you'll get to hear our uh, episode on Silken, if yeah. we can recover it from Billy's broken laptop. Maybe, maybe. We will see. <laughs> and if not, we can just talk about it again. Uh, Tommaso Battista has a much smaller collection of works that he's done. He's mostly worked on Barrage. I think he had one other title that I wasn't familiar with in his filmography. I don't know. <laughs> Gameography, I guess? Mm-hmm. Barrage is very good. So it reminds me a lot, Maggie, of games like Power Grid, because it's a heavy economic game, but it doesn't remind me very much at all of Pipeline. Okay. So in, in Power Grid, you're building on like the the world map or the country map, whatever map you're playing. And you're all kind of interacting with the spaces in the same way. You're trying to build from point A to point B and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And in Pipeline, the uh, the board that you're all working off of is a market where you're buying and selling different things. But in essence, in Pipeline, you're still working on stuff on your own. Mm -hmm. Barrage is very much everyone is working with the same resources. So Barrage, uh, the word means like a dam. Which I didn't know. I didn't know what that meant. So I didn't know what barrage was. Now I do. Maybe. Maybe it's not a dam. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Did you look it up or are you just like, this is shot in the dark? I googled barrage when I was looking for the game and then it came up with something about dams. Oh, okay. And the game's about dams. So I feel pretty confident that it is oh. about dams. If not a dam itself. <laughs> Okay. You know, maybe it's a no. series of dams. That would also make sense. So you're pretty damn sure? I'm pretty <laughs> damn sure, Maggie. Um, so, Barrage. You have four head streams at the top of the board. Those are going to be pumping out water, like streams do, over the course of the game. The board is flowing downriver. So at the bottom of the board, all the rivers leave the board. And in between those two points, you can build all kinds of different things. So first and foremost, you can build dams. And a dam will catch some water. If two, like, water droplets are going to roll down the board, I can build a dam which will catch one of those water droplets. The other, since I've just built one dam, would flow over and continue off the board. Okay. You can also build elevations to make your dam catch more water. So if I build a dam and an elevation, it's going to catch both of those water droplets. And then you can build two other things. So you can build conduits and power plants. And the conduits you're going to build beside your dams to move water out of your dams along these power lines to power stations to generate electricity. And generating electricity is one of the main goals of this game. If you generate a lot of electricity, you will gain uh, the ability to get certain benefits. You will gain the ability to get money. And you want to be ahead of other people in energy production because that's how you score more points. So your main goal is to generate electricity. But in order to do that, you have to build these four things. And it's it's a really solid worker placement economic game. Mm. So the worker placement works similarly to something like a Feast for Odin. Okay. Where you have 12 workers every round. And there are certain spots that cost uh, like more or less... When it comes to your worker supply, there might be a spot that costs one to do a thing. And if someone else wants to go to a similar spot, well, that spot's full. So now you can go there for two workers and someone else wants to go there. That spot's full. Now you can go there for three workers and three dollars. And it will co- it's the same action. It's the same action. So you want to do things first. Right. Um, because if you don't do things first, you're not doing things very effectively. So turn order very important Mm. you can also build your own structures with your resources so the first time in a round that you build a structure it's going to be one worker the second time it's two workers the third time it's three and the fourth time it's three workers and three dollars so if you do that if you do one plus two plus three plus three that's nine of your 12 workers that's a ton of time yeah the other mechanic that just like blew my mind when i first played this game was the resources that you use to build stuff. You have excavators and you have concrete mixers. And both of them are used for different things. Or as we like to call them, monkeys and robots. Because the little little wooden miniatures kind of look like monkeys and robots. I love that. So those are going to be used but not, like, consumed. So if I want to build a base in, like, a very low plain area 
it's going to cost me three excavators. And I'm going to put those excavators on a wheel, turn the wheel one segment, and when the wheel moves six segments, I'm going to get those back. So I'm not spending them. I'm just right. using them the way you like use actual like tools and stuff. Mm. It's not the material that I'm using. It's the tool. So those tools are going to come back to you. That's good. So a lot of the game is spent kind of trying to manage what resources mm. you have when. Because if you use all of your uh, excavators to build dams, you're not going to have enough excavators to build conduits. If you use all of your concrete mixers to build elevations, you're not going to be building any power plants. It's... This game sounds amazing, but I'm so stressed out even listening to it. It just sounds like you have to like manage all your stuff so well. You absolutely do, Maggie. Yeah, like they're like an early mess up in this game can cost you huge because if you if you spend your resources on a thing that you don't really need, not only are you spending workers to do that, mm-hmm. but now you're resources are locked into this wheel for six rotations and to rotate them six times you're either going to need to spend workers to just rotate them which is expensive yeah spend money to rotate them which is more expensive or build other stuff which you can't do because all of your resources are locked in the wheel is it like a communal wheel that's everyone's on or no it is your your individual wheel okay um, I've only played it at the two-player count, mm. and it was really interesting because there's, like, neutral dams as well that accommodate water, and anyone can take the water from those dams provided that they have a connected power plant. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes, the players will fight over the neutral water. Like, I in my last game, I didn't even build a dam in the first two rounds. I just built all my stuff off of... The neutral dams. And I guess that's easier with the two players? or It's it's a strategy. Mm-hmm. I think you could do it at any player count. But if there's more people competing for that water, it's a yeah. little bit riskier. But yeah, it's just like so interesting because it's like, do you build dams? Or do you focus on energy production right away? Mm-hmm. Which is going to stifle you late game because those neutral dams aren't going to get any bigger. They're not going to get more water in them. Mm-hmm. They're just going to... They might replenish with water, but they're never going to build an elevation. Yeah. Like that dam that I built off of turn one is only going to be a two height dam like you forever. Can, right. Can you build like a dam with someone else? Like once you've started building a dam, someone needs to find a different area. Someone needs to find a different area, but there's lots of spaces to fight. So in one stream, there's several basins. Most mm. streams have three basins in them. And a basin has two spots for dams. One directly in front of the other. So if you build a dam, I can build a dam directly upstream of you and get the water before you. And then the lower one just doesn't get any water? The lower one doesn't get any water unless it overflows that first dam. Oh, damn. I don't know if I correctly used upstream. (laughs) I don't know if upstream means like the water is flowing from upstream or the water... I think it's from upstream because then the water flows downstream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I used it correctly. Nice. Nice. (laughs) So yeah, I could just build directly up- upstream of you, but it's mm-hmm. more expensive to build there. So like, it's it's really an interesting game of, well, I need that water, but it's more expensive. So do I take Maggie's water or do I go somewhere right. else? How much do you expect the game will change with more p- players? Or do you think it just will be longer? I think it's going to be an incredibly different game. Because when you move water from a dam through a conduit to a power plant to generate your electricity... The water moves down to the power plant. So oftentimes that moves it from one stream to another. Mm. So with two players, we're moving water around a bit. But with four players and four people moving that water around, I think you're going to have to plan a lot better of, well, Maggie's trying to move the water here. So if I build downstream of her, I can expect her to move the water to me. Right. There's also more worker placement spots available in a larger player count game. I think... After three plays of two-player, I love the game. But I also think it's going to be best at four. Do you think it's going to be a game that once you played it four, you're never going to want to play it at two again? That's what happened to me with Coimbra. Once I played it with more people, I was like, I will not do two again. I don't think so. I think it's going to be good at two. It's just a different experience at two. Mm. You kind of need to build your own plan. And building off of other people's plans matters less. Mm -hmm. Because you have a lot more control over the water that's coming. In a four-player game, the same amount of water is going to flow. Right. 
So you're going to be fighting over those droplets, or more likely, you're going to be fighting to use the water that someone else has already used more. Mm. I don't know if you remember, but I'm pretty sure last episode we were talking about games that require more workers with more people on the spot. Do you remember that? I think it was when we were talking about yes. All the Matter. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. Because you were like, I can't think of games that do that. And we talked about Sagrada. Yeah. But this is a game that does that. This is a game that does that in certain action spaces. Right. Okay. It really depends. Um, some action spaces are the same amount of workers. They just cost more money. But yeah, it, <laughs> this is a game that does that. Perfect. Throwback to last week. <laughs> no, this game sounds amazing. It sounds like... I feel like heavy economic games are... I really like them, but they are so incredibly stressful because you're just so stressed out about like if i do this then i can't do this and worried about managing your time but you like it a lot yeah i like it a lot uh i'm excited to play it more i'm excited to play with more players Mm. Uh, but it is it is a very like crunchy game it has very quickly jumped up to the top 100 on bgg oh really yeah it released in 2019 so Um, it's a throwback pod day yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) pre-covid um but it. It's, I think, 95 right now, maybe 92, mm. but it's getting incredible reviews. And that is with the fact that, like, the, the Kickstarter was a disaster, mm. an absolute disaster. I looked it up and, like, everyone's mad. The game has so many one-star ratings on BGG because the Kickstarter went just so poorly. Um, there was, like, communication issues. There were huge component issues, like those wheels that I was talking about were made initially so that when you turned them, they they didn't really stay down and your components that you're on the wheel would get caught underneath the spokes of the wheel. Oh. There was huge warping in it. But they fixed that, like, since you've gotten it? It's... Uh, mine doesn't have any warping, but, like, right. the quality of the cardboard components is still definitely lacking, mm. especially for a game at this price point. It's definitely a game where it's like, I love this game, this game's incredible, I wish the components were better. Mm. Like, the board is like punch board. So like at, oh. on the edges, it's just like plain cardboard as opposed to like those nice wrapped yeah. rounded boards that most games have. And that's a little disappointing, yeah. especially because like the game is like a hundred dollar game. It's huge. There's so much mm. in it, but the, the wooden components are incredible. Mm. That's it's a hundred dollar game. And the board has cardboard on the edges. Yeah. Yeah. That's shocking. It is. But like the wooden components are incredible. All of your dams, your elevations, your conduits, and your power stations are unique perfection. Oh, wow. So they're beautiful. Mm-hmm. Your, like, score marker and your energy marker have engravings on the one side to make for flipping when you go over 100 points or over 30 energy. Oh, cool. Like, the, it's so confusing to me. Do There's, they run out of time? Like, what? I don't know. If you're a person who only likes playing games that are maximum production value... Barrage isn't the title for you. Mm. And that's disappointing, especially at the price point. But it is, if you care more about mechanics than the cardboard in the Mm -hmm. game, definitely look at this game. Maybe in like a second edition, they'll like come out with better, a better board or something. I hope so. When Azul first came out, the first player token was like a small piece of cardboard and then they change it to like an actual piece. Yeah. Yeah. This seems more significant than that. Yes, it definitely is more significant. I just think it's a shame because the game is so beautiful. It's priced like a luxury board game. Mm. And then some of the components just aren't aren't there. That's disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd love to give that a shot once we're allowed to hang out again. Yeah. Won't that be nice? <laughs> so that was Barrage or do we have more to say? I, I feel like I could talk about Barrage a lot. I could yeah. keep going. But I don't necessarily feel like I need to. I want to like, play it and then we can revisit it. Oh, here's the thing. Okay. Uh, no, we're not done. We're not <laughs> done. Other thing that's weird. So, like, I just told you that the cardboard quality of boards is, like, lackluster, mm-hmm. right? On the opposite side of the cardboard, there's full art. So, like, on the worker placement spots, on the opposite side, it's just, like, a full art spot. It's, like, there's just this... You just did full art on this side, but you didn't, like, spend a little bit of money to, like, make it really... So that's weird. I wonder if they'll replace the pieces. Like, is the game... If the game's doing well, maybe the publishing... Is it a new publishing company? It's not. It's Cranio Creations. So they did Newton and they did Lorenzo oh, Il Magnifico. Oh, right. Yes, said this. Yeah. But they weren't doing this with Simon. And, like, Simon has published... Or, come on. Has published in, like, tandem with them 
a lot of their games in the past. So this was a game that they did outside of the Simon umbrella. So I think it was like their first try at like a big luxury game on their own. That might not be true because I haven't like read fully into that and I don't know Cranio's full selection of games, but it feels like that. It feels like they just didn't fully realize what they were getting into. But on the main board, on the back side, there's a side that is fully functional for the game without iconography. So instead of the iconography that tells you that this is a spot that you can build a dam, there's just like a waterfall. And you should know that you can build a dam there. Is the idea that like, you'll get to know the game so much you won't need the icons? Yes. And it's beautiful. It looks so oh, good. okay. Are you hoping to like get to that point? Oh, yeah, Are absolutely. you already there? Or no? no, no, I'm not. I'm not there because, like, the conduits connect to power plants and they connect by, like, big, long pipes. Mm. And the pipes have different values that you can see on the one side between one and five. But on the other side, they're colored. And I just don't know the color correlation yet. Apart from that, after two straight games of it Mm. today, I think I could do the full art side. But it's just so nice looking. Yeah. When you first were telling me this, I thought you were going to complain about it. No, I love it. Like, if you're going to just have a black other side of the board you might as well just throw some yeah some art on it right yeah so that that was barrage those are like my preliminary three plays Mm. opinions i have lots of opinions about this game i'm gonna play it a lot i'm gonna post about it on instagram a lot so check it out wonderful you've already posted it about it haven't you yes one time but i'm gonna post more maggie yeah if you want to see a picture of the game go to our instagram into the meepleverse Okay, so, Billy, do you have a rule you got wrong? This is a segment where Billy and I go back to games that we have thought we've played correctly in the past, but we realize that we've actually made an error. So I do. Oh, you do? I do. I do have a rule I got wrong, and it is about Barrage. <laughs> and it is the reason we played it twice today. Oh, okay. Oh, so you played it two games wrong. Yeah. Uh, n- no, not really, because it is a, like, faction-specific. So each faction has its own special ability, and apart from that, you get a executive officer who has their own special ability. So everyone has two special abilities. Okay. So a lot of abilities to keep track of. My one character, I think her name is Margarita. She's the USA character. And she had an ability where when water droplets flow through your power plants, you gain energy just from them flowing through. Mm. Which is really good because you set them up, you build them high up the stream... And then when the water flows to the downstream, you're just going to gain energy for each droplet, which is really good. And as you build more and more power plants, you actually upgrade that ability to every drop that flows through gains two energy for you, which is lit. Maybe. Maybe (gasps) that's the rule. I'm just, I'm having, I'm second guessing some stuff. Okay, that's okay. Maybe. So we'll see. Maybe that's the rule. Maybe it's not. Maybe this is going to be part one of two rules he got wrong. Come back next week and I'll tell you how (laughs) we did it even more wrong. But... I misread that the first time I read it. To water flowing through dams. So like, my strat then was like, wow, I can gain energy if I just build an upstream dam and then let all the water flow through it. So then I built like three dams on one stream and just let all the water flow through the first two dams. Because I was like, now I'm gaining tons of energy every time water comes down this stream and there's no way anyone can do anything to stop me. Mm. And it wasn't dams. Because that's just too good. <laughs> it's too good if like one water drop like, can go through four of your dams. That's stupid. Did you Do you always play with this character? Or that was the first time you played with that? Uh, that was the first time we played with it. We realized halfway through the game. Ooh. And I was like, oh god, oh no. And then I won that game and I felt dirty about it. Yeah. So I was like, run it back. <laughs> we ran it back and I played it correctly. And I actually think it's it's very good either way, mm. but I do think it is better if it's just flowing through your dams, because yeah. you can just set one up early game that will just get you like seven or eight energy mm. easy. So we fixed that, and maybe I'll be back next week for a double, <laughs> double rule we got wrong. And by next week, he means two weeks, because yes, this is a bi-weekly yes. podcast. So he- here's my worry. Okay. Uh, your character board has an ability, and then that ability is also printed on your board after you get like three power plants out. And my work, we've been playing with you, have it at the very beginning of the game, and then you have it twice as strong when you get that third power plant out, which might just be wrong you now that I'm thinking about it. it. Yeah, I'm thinking you might just get it when you get that third power plant out. Ooh. How do we, how do we look this up? I, I'm going to check as soon as we leave. Okay, all right. I'm going to go home, Stay open tuned. <laughs> I have like a couple of rules I got wrong. I'm you just, have a couple? Yeah, my, actually, I'm just going to do the decrypto one. I'll do the other one next episode yeah save the content save it yes the decrypto one is so 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 minor though but it's just 
the first round that you play when you're giving clues to your team, the other team has literally no information to go off of. And but I've always let like I've always like still taken a random guess just to like see if by any chance I'd get it. And you're not allowed to do that. Okay, that makes sense. It does make sense. Because there's no negative to guessing into crypto. No, you are you always the team the other team will always guess no matter what. Except in round one. And yeah, exactly. Okay. I always play like you can just take a random guess, but I guess it would just feel bad if your random guess worked out for the other team that yeah. you're like halfway to winning because of that. <laughs> I guess because you're not really earning anything no. at that point. No, not at all. But yeah, that was my that's my decrypto rule I got wrong. Cool. I still like playing with the random guess. <laughs> I think I would like playing with a random guess as long as people got it wrong. Yes, I've never seen anyone get the random guess right. Okay, all right. But- Okay, what's your nerd-adjacent musing? Uh, so, nerd-adjacent musing, which is a little segment where we talk about something we like that's board game-related. No. No, that's, that's nerdy-related. Like nerdy but isn't a board but game. But isn't a board game. Usually. It could be a board game, if you yeah. feel like it. <laughs> could be like a digital board game. Yeah. Uh, so, my nerd-adjacent musing is a video game that I'm kind of late to the party on. Oh. It is called Fez by Polytron Corporation. Have you, have you heard of Fez? No. So Fez is a really interesting game. It's a puzzle game. It's a platformer. It's by an indie company. And the thing that Fez is so cool about is it's a 2D puzzle platformer. So you're moving around, you're jumping, and everything's two-dimensional. Within the first five minutes of the game, you unlock the third dimension. Spoiler alert if you're going to play this game, but like it's several years <laughs> old, and it's the first five minutes. I don't feel bad about right. that. I'm not going to tell you what happens at the end. You unlock the third dimension. It's still a 2D game, though. But you can rotate the camera and maintain 2D. So it's a like mind-boggling, pers- weird perspective game of, I'm walking up this tower right now and I don't see any way to advance. Well, I can turn the camera, see the other side, and see the platforms that exist there and travel up. You can also like bend space and time in weird ways because there's only two dimensions that exist at a time. So if I walk to the edge of a corner change the perspective, I'm going to be on that same corner. But if I change that perspective again, all of a sudden I've moved all the way around the structure by just changing the camera angle. It's so mind-blowing. Can you change it so, like, if you hit a wall, you change, you, like, turn it 90 degrees and then you can walk on that wall, or no? Uh, so you can't turn it like right. that. You just, you have four potential perspectives, basically looking north, south, east, or west. Right. okay. But the d- game design and the puzzle design in this game is so interesting because... A lot of the puzzles are like, okay, that spot is impossible to get to from this perspective. Mm. How do I use the different perspectives and the different platforms that appear to get myself there? Oh, there's a floating platform that's over here? Well, if I change the perspective, the platform itself moves. Very cool. It's so, like, it's, it requires a whole different level of thinking. Yeah. It's a really lovely puzzle game, and I'm really enjoying it. Where are you, what are you playing it on? I'm playing it on PC on Steam. I've had it for a few years. I've just I've just never played it yet, but it's it's wonderful. I'm really enjoying it. I don't think I'm going to like finish it. Like I'm not going to 100% the game because I it, I just don't really see the point. There's mm-hmm. lots of puzzles that are like, "Oh, well, now you need to translate this language and figure out what this hidden message means and then do that thing." It's like, "I don't care." <laughs> I'm not going to I'm not going to translate your made-up language. Like, I can- I'm good. I like that in games. Sometimes I get too hung up in games about 100%ing them that it just makes it less fun. And then when you like let go of that and then are just like playing the game to complete the game, it's more enjoyable at times. Yeah, absolutely. Just play it until you stop having fun. Yes. Also, I think the thing that the game has done really well, like I'm not worried about 100%ing it, is you beat the game when you collect like 32 of the things. And the game's like, collect 32 of the things. Mm. 64 of them exist. But 32 of those are, like, super obscure and super hard to find. So, like, just collect the ones you want to collect. I'm at, like, 130% of the game right now, according to, like, my save stat. It's like, you're at, like, 135%. It's Uh, like, cool. I don't need to get to (laughs) 209.4%. No, that sounds very cool. Yeah, it's really cool. What is your NAM? So, my my NAM is... This feels like weird to have a nerd adjacent musing that I've already done, but it's actually my first ever nerd adjacent musing that I'm just going to go back to. Ooh, this is a throwback pod this is day. A very, this is a throwback pod day. But it's a podcast called Witch Please. And the reason it was my nerd adjacent musing a while ago, because it was a podcast 
that came out in like 2017 with these two these two Canadian like badass lady scholars, uh, Marcel and Hannah, where they read the Harry Potter series and then watched the movies and then but like with a critical eye, kind of pointing out a lot of the issues about it. And now with like all that has come to light about J.K. Rowling, they're going back and doing it again. That's awesome. And I've, as someone who is like really strongly identified as a Harry Potter fan, I have not been able to, in good conscience, like absorb any Harry Potter content recently. And then this podcast came out and it's kind of been like a good way of like tackling the issues in Harry Potter. And they talk, they are touching a lot on like the issues with J.K. Rowling as well. And it's been really wonderful so far and just really great. If you are interested in that, they had the, a lot of episodes, they had an episode about like class recently, like not like Harry Potter class, but I mean like, like class in society and how that relates to the Harry Potter series. Anyway, it's a very, very good podcast. They are, there's only like four or so episodes out of the new, new release. If you want it, if you, that sounds cool to you. I would recommend going back and listening to the other one too. I mean, the earlier version that they did of it. And just a heads up, they have the most annoying sound effects in the history of podcasts. (laughs) But it's still really enjoyable if you can just brush past the sound effects. Are the sound effects endearing or are they like literally just frustrating? They're just frustrating. In the beginning, you're like, oh, this is cute. And then it's like, (laughs) I don't want to hate on this podcast because I love this podcast and they're so funny and wonderful. But... So, for example, like, if they're going to spoil something, which, like, it's a Harry Potter podcast. Like, I assume most people who are going to the podcast know what ha- know what's happened in yeah. the series. Like, you don't need to spoiler alert a Harry Potter podcast. People aren't listening to this podcast to be like, maybe I should check out Harry Potter. <laughs> anyway. But, like, <laughs> or maybe they do episode one. And then, like, if you're doing that, like, you're going to accept the spoilers you're going to get. No, but they're, okay, anyways, whenever they spoil something... Like, everything stops, and, like, this very loud alarm goes off, and it goes, like, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, eh, eh. and it's, like, like a 10-second-long sound clip before they do this, and it's, like, very, very loud and annoying. But anyways, forget about that. <laughs> Still a wonderful podcast that I would recommend very strongly. Cool. That's my nerd is amusing. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening. And you can follow <laughs> us on Instagram, Into the Meepleverse. We also have a Twitter, I2MV Podcast. And if you want to message us, ask us something you want to talk about, or if you hated something we said, or if you want to correct us on something, or just <laughs> say hi. If you know how Barrage works, please <laughs> let me know. Also, we stream on Twitch. Right, yes. Every Monday at 7 p.m. And by we, I mean Billy. But sometimes <laughs> I might join now that we can actually, we figured out that we can remotely stream. Yeah, we're going to be doing some Tabletop Simulator on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Into the Meepleverse. Check us out on that. And we're going to play some games. Maybe some new games. Maybe some games we know well. Yeah. Some of our favorites. Thanks so much for listening. We will see you next time. Next time.